How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony William. Hey, everybody. We're talking about coffee, matcha tea, and chocolate. It's not that I got anything against it, but what I got to tell you could open your eyes a bit. Or chances are, shut them because you can't quit. The dirty truth is not easy to see when something you do allows a shareholder to have full control over you. If this seems too strict and not loose, get ready. It's time to talk about caffeine abuse. You wake up in the morning, you feel it. You can't make another move unless you at least know where and when you're going to get your caffeine. Sure, you can wait a little while, maybe run out a little later in the morning to get it. The longer you wait, the more it hits the spot and feels so good. Your day can't be complete without it. It becomes a part of you. Stop everything, drop everything, until you have your cup. Some people can't function without it, but once you're in it, it's hard for anyone to get out of it. It can run your life. It can own your soul. We think we make all our decisions after our caffeine clears our mind. But a lot of the times, the caffeine is making the decisions for you. You know what I'm talking about. Matcha tea, chocolate, coffee, energy drinks, caffeinated tea. It's a relationship, not one that offers equal give and take. It's one that offers take more than give. And there's nothing equal about it. The relationship you have with caffeine can sometimes take precedent over a relationship you have with another person. Have you ever seen that out there? And what's weird is caffeine's not a person. And sometimes it gets attention first. And both people in the relationship better be on caffeine because if only one person is, then that caffeine can take priority over relationship responsibilities sometimes. As far as timing goes and other things, uh, honey, I can't deal with this right now. I have to get my coffee. I'm pulling up to the drive-thru right now. Uh, until I get my coffee, I can't make any phone call now and straighten something out. Uh, what do you want me to do? Uh, honey, you need me to pick up who? You? Uh, I'll get you on my way after I get my coffee. Uh, I'm at the coffee shop now. Uh, do you want something? Uh, no, you don't. You just want me to come and get you? Uh, got it. Uh, they're running my credit card now. I'm almost out of here. I got those biscuits you like. Meanwhile, you're waiting an extra 20, 25 minutes because your partner needs their coffee. Think this doesn't happen? It does all the time. Caffeine can be stronger 
than a weak relationship sometimes. And if a relationship is brand new, both people better be drinking coffee or matcha tea or one's drinking coffee, one's drinking matcha tea, because if only one does, it will be a priority that the other will have to have patience for. Caffeine can take from you without letting you know. It's like a best friend that wants to borrow your favorite clothes and things, but never gives them back. Or better yet, they borrow all your things and you don't know they're borrowed. You think your items are there, your things and your clothes. Your eyes see them, but they're gone. They're really not there anymore. Your friend took them all. You're going through your closet, you're going through there, you're looking through everything, and you could swear you saw your favorite sweater in there, but it's gone. And why can't you see your favorite items? Clothings and all your stuff, they're gone. How come you can't see them? Because there was a trade-off. The devil bargained with you. Your eyes are blind of things that were taken from you, but you can still see. Caffeina, she takes all your things away as the years go by. That's what she does. It's that friend that borrowed your favorite sweater and doesn't give it back. And then borrows your favorite jeans and never gives them back. And if she does give them back, they're thrashed or trashed or shot. But you can't complain to that friend. That friend knows too much about you, way too much about you. And you don't want them talking crap and starting trouble with your other friends, like talking behind your back or not wanting to hang with you anymore. All those things they borrowed start adding up, but you won't know it's your friend Caffeina taking it all, and no one's going to tell you either because Caffeina is their friend too. Your friend Caffeina is robbing you, taking things from you, and eventually owning you. And what happens is that when you throw that friend away and you get rid of Caffeina, you then realize how much that friend took from you. And you realize how awful of a person that friend was. And then you realize that was one abusive relationship. Caffeina was crazy. And without her, you see clear, perfectly clear now. And you see what she was and you see what she did. But for some people... They need to stay in denial because just like a lot of abusive relationships, you're not allowed to blame that friend because you might need them again. Sound familiar? Or maybe this is all foreign to you and your relationship with caffeine is perfect. But that's the illusion. The illusion the caffeine monster offers. Sound harsh? Wait till I fill you in and then you decide. The caffeine industry was weaponized. What was the mission? Drug women. Wait, wait, what did I just say? What was the mission? To drug women. You're probably thinking, yeah, right, yeah, right. How's that possible? Fasten your seatbelts, because this story, you're not supposed to know. Why would they drug women? Why would caffeine businesses drug women? No, no, no. Not caffeine businesses, not coffee shops, or matcha tea shops, or chocolate makers. It's way, way above them. They have nothing to do with nothing. The caffeine industry was weaponized by the medical industry a long time ago to numb women up 
for a reason and keep them addicted for a lifetime. That was the original goal. Now it's drug everybody, drug everything, drug anyone they can. Why was the plan to drug women? To cover up the epidemic of chronic illness that gave women fatigue, brain fog, depression, anxiety, and so many more problems that never existed before 1940. It's brand new, you guys. It's brand new. It's only 70 years old. The epidemic of symptoms and conditions, which many of you guys are suffering from, like we see today, no matter what they tell you, just happened yesterday, basically. Medical science and research makes deals in the dark behind everyone's back. They always have. The peeps at the top, the small handful of classified VIPs, always to protect what they purposely did wrong. The mistakes they made like this. In the early 1900s, the classified private medical industry, not the public medical industry, the details matter, not the medical universities, not the public research and science, the private classified medical industry, think it doesn't exist? Think again when someone with a blue glove on checks your temperature, shoves a Q-tip up your nostril, and then makes you fill out a card while you're sitting in your car. That bug out there got out of the gate, just like all the early viruses and bacteria in the early 1900s that were raised in labs by the private classified medical industry that created the epidemic of chronic illness that started in the 1940s and 1950s that made women sick for the first time in our history with symptoms never seen before. This is before men got sick with similar symptoms. Why did women get sick first? More on that later. The private industry released the pathogens through medical treatments and other avenues, and it led to the fallout in the late 1940s and early 1950s of women falling ill. But who cares? Who cares? <laughs> whatever. Whatever happened to great-grandma doesn't matter, and... Like, who cares what happened to her relatives and anybody else in the past or other people? Who cares if women fell ill in the 1950s? So what? That's the past. That's the last thing you want to think about on your way to get a cup of coffee. Why should it matter? Because it's why everybody's sick with a symptom or condition today. Do you have a symptom or one that comes and goes? Like a headache, acne, or maybe like a skin problem or something brain fog, anxiety, painful cycles, UTIs, sinusitis, eye floaters, fatigue, that's a bummer when you got all that fatigue, body pain, depression, that's a really hard one, and focus and concentration issues, right? This list can go on forever and ever and ever. And you have it because of what they did. And your kids are going to have some of those symptoms too because of what they did. And their kids are going to have some of these symptoms too down the road because of what they did. And guess what? No one's going to care about you and your symptoms and conditions keeping you from living your best life in 50 years as they're drinking their coffee too. Caffeine was used 
to mask the old epidemic of the past, and it's being used now to mask the new one, including the aftermath of COVID, because everybody already has a weakened immune system from chronic low-grade viral infections that they don't even know they have. And just so you know, after the plague starts to break down enough immune systems, then all those post-recoveries, people are going to need caffeine more than ever. The industry is going to boom even more. It's messed up. The more hardship, the more losses, the more sickness, the more difficulties, the more struggles, the more power the caffeine industry gets. How sick is that? The more caffeine we need, and the bigger the caffeine monster gets. It could be the end of the world, and there'll still be a way to get your coffee. Even if you can't get any other provision, you'll still be able to get your caffeine fix. The plan was get people sick, don't fix them, instead drug them to mask it in hopes they still get sicker later on and keep feeding the machine. Look, look, caffeine's been around a long time before the 1940s and 1950s, right? Right, that's what you're thinking. And in the late 1920s, early 30s, during the Great Depression, everybody was waiting in line for bread. I don't know if you guys remember that, that whole story. And no one was jacked up on caffeine. They were waiting in line for bread and no one was jacked up. And keep in mind, they weren't waiting in line with fatigue, anxiety, tingles and numbness, vertigo, heart palpitations, mystery body pain, eczema, psoriasis. No one was waiting in line with all that. It was rare compared to what happened 20 years later by 1949. You know, this was before the explosion of chronic illness in the 1920s during the Depression when everybody was feeling good while waiting in line and before the caffeine industry owned anyone's soul. And very few women or men relied on caffeine before the 1940s. And in the 1920s, it was a small percentage of men on caffeine. Women, it was practically non-existent. And now, without caffeine, half the human race would barely function. Think about that for a second. Half the human race would barely function. Can you imagine if caffeine was gone? What would the world be like? Almost everybody's hooked on it. I know a surgeon that can't operate without it. And you know what she told me? She told me every surgeon in medical school, all her peers, colleagues, can't operate without it either. And they can't stop their caffeine, she told me. The biggest fear of a surgeon worldwide is quitting caffeine. Because if they quit caffeine, they get a shaky hand. It's called withdrawal, the caffeine shakes. You know what they are. In order for a surgeon to quit caffeine, they need to take a lot of time off to rehab and not fall back on that caffeine. It's a vicious cycle because you can end up drinking it and be stuck back on it and needing to take a long time break again. What could happen to a surgeon quitting caffeine? It could lead to brain fog afterwards, which doesn't help a surgeon operating either. So this is another problem altogether. You don't want your surgeon who's operating on you to have the shakes or brain fog. You want them 
sharp as a tack. But that's just one example of how much control caffeine has on us. Let's talk about the pilots that fly planes all night, all day. The caffeine monster is helping the pilot fly. While you're sitting in the back, trusting your life with that pilot, the caffeine monster's the co-pilot up front. Uh, flight attendant, uh, order another, another pot of coffee for me, please. Um, uh, I'm, I, can't, I can't stay awake while flying this plane and need some help here. Get, get more coffee up in the front. But what if the pilot wants to quit his coffee? You don't want him having the shakes or brain fog, right? On your flight, the plane could go down because of caffeine withdrawal, because he's trying to quit. You don't want this. Pilot flips the wrong switch with his brain fog really bad. His shaky hands are in the way. He makes a bad mistake and decision. The plane goes down. The black box shows the pilot made a mistake. But it's not the pilot's fault. No one would know why the plane went down. It was the caffeine monster that was the co-pilot. The pilot was trying to get rid of him. But let's just say the pilot did great. Pilot was fine. But the guy that fuels the plane on the ground, he's on his caffeine withdrawal and doesn't close or seal the valve because of his brain fog's really bad. He forgot. And the plane is taken off, taken off, and there's fuel leaking everywhere as the plane's going up in the air. That's not going to end well. You get the picture on that one. And what about, hmm, what about the plane mechanic? He's on his caffeine withdrawal. And the caffeine monster hands him a wrench, but makes him forget to tighten up the right bolts and nuts. And instead, he tightens up the wrong bolts and the wrong nuts and even see, and even leaves some of them loose. And guess what? The oil lines are leaking now. The plane's going up, going up, leaking oil everywhere, leaking oil everywhere, and the engine seizes up. Can you imagine? We have no idea how reliant we are on caffeine, and rightfully so. Look, I'm on the side of anybody that has to use it to function. But why can't we function? And how did the caffeine industry pull this caper along with the medical industry? No one knows they're hand-in-hand in it privately. It's more than anyone knows. As womankind were getting their pick-me-up, to mask chronic illness back in the day, the caffeine industry grew large. The shareholders started to bankroll, and the caffeine industry turned into an evil monster. So phase two occurred, baby. Selling an addictive substance can make a small group of people a lot of money at the top. I'm not talking about Joe and Jeff's coffee shop around the corner where they're just trying to survive and they're working hard. And I'm not even talking about the coffee chains, the one that we go into every day, popular ones. I'm not talking about homespun companies either that got their heart and soul in their chocolate and matcha tea. Their intentions are gold. They're concerned about sustainability, fair trade. They love what they do. They're into coffee drinks and other caffeine beverages. Many are connoisseurs themselves. They know how to smell some good coffee. Mostly good people, too. I got a close friend that owns a coffee business. She's got a heart of gold, tremendous compassion. But a trick was played, and we were played. 
Because originally, before many of our time, the big push to get us into caffeine was to mask fatigue and brain fog and push the American workers and global workers to work, to drug them. They work better while they're sick. See how it works? You got brain fog, you got fatigue, and you don't feel like you could really focus or feel good enough to work or get the job done. You're tired. You're kind of dragging. And it was designed to drug them so they work better while they're sick. They're shot at the end of the day. Time to go to bed. You wake up tired and beat. You drug them again. Get them working again. Make them forget they even have brain fog, fatigue, or energy issues. Focus and concentration problems, anxiety, constipation, or many other symptoms. At least for a moment each day. They go to the doctor. The doctor's on caffeine too. There's a big part of the world that can't poop without their caffeine in the morning, without their coffee in the morning. Because the caffeine jacks up their adrenals. And all that adrenaline helps bypass their intestinal tract inflammation and liver disorders. Adrenaline forces peristaltic action for a lot of people, meaning adrenaline makes you poop. But you should know adrenaline is a precious commodity. It's a priceless commodity, especially for women. It means everything to a good quality of life later on in life for women. And it shouldn't be wasted with a stimulant. A lot of people back then and now, and especially now, more than ever before, push through every day masking their symptoms and not seeing how bad these symptoms really got. Are you one of them? They keep their caffeine going on a daily basis for years, sometimes decades, until the symptoms get worse or worse and worse. And then they're at the doctor's office but still on caffeine. And many people getting sicker and sicker as the years go by, and they're in caffeine multiple times a day, including chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. It's a stimulant. It has caffeine. That's why you can't go without chocolate. It's not so innocent. Sure, there are people who don't have symptoms as of now, and they're doing good. They feel indestructible. Maybe they're younger. Maybe not a lot of issues. And they consume their caffeine beverages and their chocolate. But it doesn't mean it's not robbing you of something. It doesn't mean it's not taking something from you. Here's one part I really don't like. More on caffeine's dirty past. Check this out. Caffeine was used as a torture treatment in the private world of war with prisoners and experimental situations with people of all walks of life. They were injected with large vials of caffeine. It was pumped into people, man. It was pumped into them to see if it would work as a truth serum and to see how much it would take to push someone to their breaking point. I mean, would you like that? An espresso every five minutes for 24 hours a day, never taking a break? until you hit your breaking point, they would keep these people awake, not allowing them to sleep ever, and they would pump them with vial after vial after vial until they had a heart attack at their breaking point 
right there in their seats. That was the experiment. Guess what? They did it to thousands of people, women, children, everyone. And they would just drop dead after being injected. Thousands of people died from caffeine torture and experimentation. It's got an ugly, dirty past. It's ruined a lot of lives. And there's nothing fair trade about that. But that's okay. Who cares about those people? They're dead and gone. Whatever. Don't even know who they were. Those were other people's dads, grandfathers, moms, children, wives, husbands, friends, family. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Those people are dead. So what? Hey, as long as it's not you or us, right? Look, how about this one? This is a secret that you're the first to know outside of the industry. Coffee is so toxic, you guys. I even have to whisper this one. The plants themselves are so toxic that you can only pick coffee as a farmhand for so many hours. Because your body, when it's rambling and rubbing through the coffee bushes, exposes your skin to toxic alkaloids coming off the beans and the leaves and the twigs themselves. You get covered with this toxin. This is okay in small doses in a small amount at a time. Farms regulate how long their pickers are in the groves because of this. But check this out. If a picker's been in a field too long and it's a hot, hot day and they're sweating and all their pores are open, absorbing these toxic alkaloids, and their whole body is being covered for too many hours, the alkaloids sit in the skin with the pores open, exposed to oxygen in the air. This could be okay if the pores have time to slowly close. And the oxygen from the air diffuses this toxic alkaloid as the hours go by. But here's where I got to be kind of quiet about this stuff, you guys. Okay? But if all the pores quickly close, they close too quick, and oxygen from the air is no longer diffusing the toxic alkaloids from all the coffee bushes and beans that was rubbed on their skin, then we have a big problem. But what could cause pores to quickly close? a rainstorm in the middle of a coffee grove. And this is something you're not supposed to ever, ever know. As a coffee picker gets soaked and wet with cool water, the pores close rapidly and seal in days worth of toxic alkaloids. A thousand pickers get caught in a rainstorm after a 10, 12, 14 hour day and it happened over and over and over again in the early days all around the world for many years until some humanity rules were put in place, humane rules put in place. Like no showers allowed after a day of picking, no showers allowed. You have to shower the next morning and sometimes days later. I'll never forget this coffee farmer told me his son was picking all day. 
They had a deadline. A ton of coffee needed to be ready. And the end of the day came. And the son, he had a hot date. Quote, that's what he said. He had a hot date. And he decided to jump in the shower right away. Even though he knew better, he died in the shower. I'll never, ever forget that story. But you know, at least there's fair trade, organic, biodynamic. You can get dark roasted, you get lightly roasted, you can have a bagel and a spread with it. You see couples in the coffee shops having their coffee drinks. Little does anyone know. There's lots of bloodshed and loss so we can have our grounds. It wasn't the coffee grower's fault who told me the story. I felt so bad for the man. It's just coffee is that toxic. Remember the private medical industry that got people sick, then wanted them on caffeine? A demand to grow beans happened, and that's the story, folks. I have tremendous respect for that grower who told me the story. He was a kind-hearted soul just trying to make a living and doing the best he can. The truth is, I got major respect for people who have to use caffeine to survive, to push through, consume it, to even get anything done, to function. They can't live without it. I get it. They need the caffeine fix to get through the day, take care of their families, because they're struggling with deeper issues with their health, and it's not their fault that they rely on caffeine. I support it. I support it on that level. Certain parts of medical research and science completely drop the ball with chronic illness. It's why it's rampant and people don't get answers, okay? Because the medical industry and that private classified one I'm talking about started the ball rolling with the epidemic to begin with. How? The industry created bugs, purposely exposed us to them, pumped us up with toxic heavy metals, purposely exposing us to that, causing future centuries of sickness ahead of us, purposely keeping us sick so the medical industry can make more money. It's disgusting. We haven't even started to get sick. 35 years ago, I predicted where we'd be today, where almost everyone's sick with a symptom already. And here's what they did. The private medical industry brokered a deal with a caffeine monster to try to keep us going. That was the best they can do, right? And the medical industry, they regulate everything. They regulate chemical compounds far less aggressive than caffeine. They regulate things that are so much less aggressive. And they know very well that caffeine slowly robs the youth and vitality of women and men, but especially women. Caffeine is ironclad, buddy. Ironclad. Covet it. Holy. You can't touch it. You can't break it. It's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. You can have every single person in health out there shunning it, screaming caffeine's bad, talking about it being bad because they heard the information in this show, anything like that, and it'll never stop the caffeine monster. That thing is like an evil demon, a shapeshifter, a sea serpent, a machine. You get hooked on caffeine? Welcome. 
to the machine. I want to make something clear, okay? I never blame anybody for running a business or supporting coffee, matcha tea, chocolate, or drinking caffeinated beverages. I got family and friends that are involved in both aspects. I'm just telling you what's going on above us all, above it all. So you have a choice of whether or not you want to join in, drink it, support it. It's not the people's fault. Let's let's get that clear. It's above them. The truth is kept from everybody. It's kept from all the doctors. It's kept from all the health professionals. It's kept from everybody. And then guess what? History gets erased. They do that now. History gets erased right now just on the internet. Like they're just rewriting it and and erasing it and tweaking it, putting different dates in and times. That's what they do. And you don't know. There's no history book anymore. History gets erased or they don't let you know history even existed. Young people are taught every day to get addicted to caffeine. And you can put good stuff out there about how bad it is, how bad it is, and that stuff will get scrubbed and scrubbed off down the road so more people never see it, never hear the truth, and they just get hooked and hooked and hooked and hooked on it. That's the evil demon. That's what it does. And, and then people get good ideas. They think they're good ideas. They're like, oh, caffeine's good for me because matcha tea's good for me and this and this, and maybe I'll go into business and sell it myself. It's not their fault. The beat goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it never stops. Did you ever hear those stories of a woman in her 20s, really in shape, great shape, healthy, no problems, never had a health problem in her life, yet died working out on her treadmill or died in her sleep or died taking a run or a jog? There's thousands of those stories over the years, thousands of them swept under the carpet, boop, 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 sweep those under the carpet. That's right. No one talks about them. They just get buried in the news or not even. The story never surfaces. It's swept under the carpet, like I said. They never diagnose the death properly either. It's a mystery. And guess what? It was their caffeine. Caffeine, wait till you hear this, can jump the heart. What does jump the heart mean? Caffeine can jump the heart unexpected heart attack in young people because an electrical surge bypassed nerves in the heart and caused a reverse heartbeat to occur, a rare phenomenon caused by caffeine, meaning the blood went back the other way fast for a split second or more. And because the person's doing cardio at the same time, The heart's pumping, you know, the way it should. You're doing cardio. Your heart rate is up. Think about that. You know your heart rate is up. You can feel it. Just feel your wrist or your neck when you're exercising, right? And then reverse polarity occurs. And bam, it sends the blood the other way around. But fast, like dead up fast. And you got the instant heart attack. It sends a reverse polarity in the heart caused by an electrical spasm shocking the heart in the other direction against the grain. You know better not to go against the grain. That electrical shock that sends the heart in the other direction blows out the valves in one shot, just blows them open for a quick second, and that pressure goes back the other way. Craftsmen 
know not to go against the grain when they're doing their woodwork. They know better. That's what they know. But in this situation, caffeine goes against the grain in a bad way, the wrong way, and kills you. And that's why so many perfectly healthy young women and men who work out every day go out for runs, have no real health problems, and drop dead, exercising. And check this out. Drop dead at night, sleeping, dying in their sleep, total mystery. And you know how that happens? The caffeine can build up in pockets on the nerve endings. The caffeine clusters. It clusters on nerve endings. And then when you're falling asleep, REM, all of a sudden, something starts happening. Electrical activity as you're starting to fall asleep starts happening. And as it's doing it, electrical impulses are spinning around. They're going around, hitting all the neurons, and they hit a gasoline fire. They hit a gasoline pocket, a pocket of drug, a pocket of caffeine is just sitting there all balled up, clustered in an area of neurons. And all you need is a spark. And that spark is a dream. You're going into some heavy dream where you're getting kind of chased by somebody in your sleep, in your dream, a little nightmare kicking in, or you're chasing somebody else, or your heart rate starts picking up because it's an emotional dream. And then a fire can start and that reverse polarity can hit then and do a quick reverse shock while you're sleeping. And if you're sleeping on your stomach and your face is in your pillow too, and you're not getting a breath in time, it happens even more. No one even knows this stuff. Medical research and science have no clue. It's just, oh, we don't know. We don't know why. We're doing, you know, the autopsy. We're looking into everything. It's so sad. It's heartbreaking, truly heartbreaking. And no one's doing anything about it. No one cares. No one will ever want to know. And we just sweep this under the rug like it doesn't exist. Oh, it doesn't matter if a thousand people worldwide or more die in their sleep, young people with no health problems. Look, it's rare. It really is rare. It doesn't happen every day in that sense, meaning it does happen every day, but not on this massive large scale. But every life is precious. So when you lose your life to something like this and all you get from the medical industry is, well, hey, um, we don't know. I think they might have had a rare condition. We're looking into it. We think there might have been a tiny hole in their heart. We don't know. Or an undiscovered heart murmur, sir or ma'am. And so we, we're still looking into it, but we think your daughter just might have had some kind of inconsistency or compromise or your son. And that's the best they can do. Meanwhile, no one's given the choice to be like, hey, stay away from the caffeine. Let's find another route. Let's find some other way. On another note, young people who get addicted to drugs and mysteriously die, and they're not sure why they died. They're not sure if it's the drugs in their bloodstream and it's a mystery to the medical examiners. Many of them died because of this, because all drug users use lots of caffeine between it all. They need it to boot up and reboot and boot up and reboot. Everyone doing cocaine, heroin, popping pills, whatever they're doing, doesn't matter whatever it is. They need a ton of caffeine. And that's why you'll hear the stories. 
that when the person dies around others doing drugs too, it turns out they weren't even doing that many drugs. Their friends report that, well, hey, uh, no, my friend didn't really party that hard that night. Um, I saw him earlier and he said he didn't even have a big enough stash and he was he was kind of like dry that night and he only had a little bit going on. Or my friend was just not like that. My friend knew how to kind of like party like balanced, you know, and equal and just he knew how to hold his own and he never pushed it too hard like my other friends. And they tell these stories because it's not the drugs in the end that really caused it. I mean, I'm sure it is in many cases, but not as many cases as you you think. And unknown to anybody, they had a reverse polarity shock from cranking the caffeine. And that's what happened to almost every person they injected caffeine vials into. Remember that story? The experimental treatment and war torture in the past? But you're not supposed to know that story. (laughs) Anyway, now let's talk about everyday life in women's health. Regarding caffeine, of course. Coffee chocolate, matcha tea, and energy drinks. The amount of women with thinning hair has skyrocketed. Epic numbers of women losing their hair at a young age, not when they're 85, not when they're 90, not when they're 75. Not all women lose their hair because of caffeine. I'm not saying that, but most do. If the hair loss doesn't come on early when you're doing the caffeine, it comes on later. Some people... They'll just be doing caffeine at the beginning of their journey. It's their first year, and they'll get some hair thinning. It'll, they'll see it in the shower. It'll be on the bottom of the drain. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm 22 years old? Why is there a lot of hair on the bottom of the drain right now? And that happens like that. Other people go 10 years, and then all of a sudden just starts pouring out. Or 15 years, and it just starts pouring out. It's different with everybody. You know what I'm seeing out there? I'm seeing like double espressos twice a day, coffee drinks two, three times, four times a day, chocolate once, twice, three times a day, sometimes mixed in, all of them mixed in. Everybody's doing a lot of it, more than I've ever seen. It used to be years ago. I remember 30 years ago, 25 years ago, it would be one cup of coffee in the morning, like one cup, not a mug, not a huge cup, right? And... Or it would be just like a cup, a decaf. That's what it was back then in a lot of ways. Sure, more people did more of it and they hadn't. They needed a pot a day of coffee, but the pot was small compared to like cups, large cups of coffee on and off all day. And how much are you doing? Have you thought about it? Like what's in your whole dietary regime? Do you got like the chocolate powder going in the smoothie? and you're doing a coffee drink on your way out, and you got an espresso later? Or is it just one cup of coffee every day, which is still pretty intense? Anyway, unknown to research and science, caffeine burns out specific vital undiscovered hormones that your adrenals produce. This is the gold. This is the glue that keeps the hair on women's heads and keeps the hair follicles alive. Okay, you got to know this one. Caffeine puts your adrenals in fight or flight every day and drains them of their vitality. It's fight or flight. It's either your fight or flight, man, if that's where it's at. And you lose the specific adrenal hormone because of the fight or flight. The adrenals are like pumping and they're pumping and they're pumping and it's wasting them. That's what it does. So that specific blend of hormone needed to keep hair from falling out disappears over time. This hormone 
attaches to hair follicles so they don't weaken. But if there's no more hormone left to attach to your hair follicles, they just start going. And you see them in the shower, you see them in the hairbrush, you see them on the floor, and then you start seeing your hair in really weird places, like car seats. This hormone attaches to your hair follicles so they don't weaken, keeping your hair on your head, not on the car seats, not on your jackets, not on the floor, not in the kitchen, on the counters. It keeps it on your head. Okay. Caffeine also depletes women, depletion, nutrient deficiencies. But the caffeine, the chocolate, the coffee, the matcha tea, espressos will never get the blame for that. They'll never get the blame for that at the doctor's office when it's like, you got nutritional deficiencies, or maybe your teeth are problematic, or your skin is getting dry. And it's like, what are you missing? Is it oils? Um, What's going on here? It's because caffeine injures the liver, not strengthens it. See, your liver is your vitamin mineral factory. Its job is to convert every nutrient that enters your body so that your body accepts it, but it has to go through the liver, has to be processed first so it can be put to use. Every nutrient has to go through this processing to be put to use. Caffeine enters the liver and shocks it. Every day, a shock. Every day, a burden. Every day, it beats it down, similar to alcohol. It weakens the liver for two reasons, okay? One is the constant adrenaline flight or fight, that's one, soaks up into the liver and causes cell damage. So adrenaline's just being sucked right into the liver every single day, sucked right in. And it weakens the liver's immune system. Reason two, caffeine itself is toxic to the liver. But hey, you know what? (laughs) Fake studies... All these fake studies paid for by the caffeine industry will report that it's beneficial for your liver and your brain, beneficial for you. They'll say there's a lot of antioxidants to battle free radicals. That's a good one. You know, anti-aging, throw that old antioxidant game in there for anti-aging. You know what's disturbing? They don't have studies to show why women are suffering with chronic illness, not living a quality of life, a good quality of life losing their lives, severe fatigue, vertigo, ringing in the ears, eye floaters, weak limbs, burning skin, bladder problems, endometriosis, fibroids, migraines, or anything else that amounts to any answers. But they got studies on caffeine and lots of them because caffeine's way more important than finding answers to why women are suffering. But once again, they take food science, apply it to something that people know deep down inside isn't really good for them, release an outcome, tell them, it's good for you. Don't worry, caffeine's really good for you. It can make you live longer. You can live healthier. Longevity, antioxidants to support your addiction. You know, and then getting a whole generation of young people hooked on caffeine as if that's an answer to something that gives us the okay. What they don't tell you is that everything has antioxidants in it. Poisonous plants, poisonous herbs, poisonous mushrooms, inedible trees, shrubs, bushes, all of them filled with lots and lots of antioxidants. But if you eat them or chew on them 
or swallow them, you'll end up six feet under. But wait, they got healthy antioxidants in them though. Lots of antioxidants. But they got something bad in them that doesn't outweigh the good. And it's like that with caffeine, the beverages, the matcha tea, coffee drinks, the chocolate. It doesn't outweigh the bad. Those antioxidants are not enough. They don't outweigh it. Caffeine use is part of what causes weight gain in women later on in life. When the extra pounds come on and you're 40, 38, 42, it could even hit earlier. It's part of it. It contributes to it because caffeine burns out the liver and the adrenals, contributes to those extra pounds by the time you're getting older. And then the liver gets tired and the adrenals get tired. And then the libido goes. The loss of libido can occur because the adrenals get weakened. There's a cutoff switch in women to protect adrenals. You need adrenaline for libido. But if the adrenals are getting too weak, then libido disappears. It's a natural defense mechanism women have to protect them because adrenals are responsible for childbirth naturally in order to push the baby out. A lifetime of adrenaline gets used during childbirth. Men don't have to worry about this. Caffeine can essentially make childbirth harder. I'm not saying caffeine during pregnancy can. I'm saying years of caffeine leading up to pregnancies shouldn't do caffeine when you're pregnant. Definitely shouldn't do it. But years of it leading up to it, weakening the adrenals. So when that special day comes, the adrenals are like, whoa, how are we going to handle this? We got 10 years of caffeine on us and we're weakened in different areas. And now we got to give it everything we have to get the baby out. A lot of women suffer with childbirth. And in many cases, caffeine plays part of that role. Or it's the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Women are taught today by men, so-called longevity experts and health experts, that matcha tea and green tea and coffee and chocolate are good for you. They're being trained, trained by men in the field of medicine, in the field of health, that caffeine is good for you and helps you live longer until someone hears the show that's in podcast world and then they start copycatting because that's what they'll do. And they won't cite it back here, but we already know that story, how that goes all the time. But really, guys, the point, though, men in health are contributing to the decline of women's health through actually telling them matcha tea, it's good for you, it's got the antioxidants, there's a study here and there, and just pushing it on women. They don't want to go against caffeine. They're on it themselves, even if they say they're not, even if they copycat this show and start saying how it's not good for you and they're being a truther or something because they see medical medium getting ahead once again or something, and they'll still be on it and they'll still be doing their chocolate and pushing it on women some way or another or some other type of caffeine, but they'll act like they're kind of in the game and they got their backs a little bit, but they really don't. They already spent 10 years of their career pushing this stuff on women already and contributing to their decline and teaching other women professionals to do the same. Meanwhile, coffee, matcha tea, energy drinks, caffeinated tea, and chocolate are far from anti-aging. They're pro-aging. They age the skin faster, you lose your hair faster, and it always catches up to women eventually, maybe in the 40s or their 50s, if it didn't already in their 20s. And nowadays, usually it's even earlier because of the increase of caffeine consumption. 
the more they say it's good for women, the more women consume. One of the reasons why it ages you is because a large part of your body mass goes chronically dehydrated for years. Coffee drinks, caffeinated tea, chocolate are diuretics, harsh diuretics. Caffeine forces water out of your living cells. We're filled with living cells. That's what we are. One big living cell. And caffeine forces critically needed hydration out of our living cells, essentially starving your cells of what they need. Caffeine is a toxin, a low-grade poison. It prompts your body to want to rid it. But as your body is trying to rid it, it throws the baby out with the bath water, which means all your nutrients, minerals, trace minerals, phytochemical compounds, critically needed enzymes, yes, antioxidants, get peed out. It takes everything and it throws everything out because it's trying to push out a poison. That's what your body does. It's really smart. As it's pushing out the poison, it's pushing out all kinds of other things too. It has no choice. It has to do that. So caffeine ages you before your time and sets you up for waking up one morning and noticing overnight out of nowhere, you have to start making dentist appointments. You got to start getting facials. You got to start doing something for something because aging's happening. You're getting cavities, dental issues. Your skin is getting a little bit more wrinkly before it's time. It's why people can go along and along and along till they're about 25 or 30, and then all of a sudden, hey, wait, why are my teeth becoming problematic? Wait, where are these cavities coming from? Wait, wait, is, is it my vegan diet? Uh, uh, is it the piece of fruit I ate? Yeah, wait, it's the piece of fruit I ate. I had, let me see, I gotta look back. How many pieces of fruit did I eat? Uh, one piece of fruit two weeks ago? Um, wait, is it the lack of protein? I heard I needed protein. Uh, look up a protein powder. I have to find something. Wait, is collagen important? But they will never blame the caffeine, the coffee, the chocolate, the matcha tea, ever, 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 ever. Even though it's what most people consume the most of in their daily lives. How much caffeine and chocolate did you consume in the past or now? This long-term chronic dehydration will take that juiciness out of you, the juiciness that gets you to thrive every cell. It takes it out of you and out of your skin. You get depleted. You lose your trace minerals. You get wrinkly skin before it's time. And yeah, it might feel good, you know, to just be on coffee for half the day. Your clothes fit good. You're jacked up on your own adrenaline, which suppresses your appetite so you don't have to eat but there's a price to be paid. The adrenaline forces out the water from your body and then fills your cells with adrenaline to replace it, aging your cells. But your body overcomes this when you're young and it adapts and it doesn't show so quick. So some people can do it long-term, but it's still hard on the body no matter what. The problem is you can never get hydrated when you're on caffeine because this process is happening constantly your body can never get a break. You heard of fight or flight? This is an innate privilege that our body possesses. You're being chased by someone? That adrenaline is going to give you superpowers as you run. You feel like you're in danger? You're going to think fast. Like, you're going to think fast right on the draw and make the next move 
to get out of harm's way. You get some stressful news and fight or flight kicks in right into gear because you got bad news. You're either going to fight or you're going to flight when you're hearing that news. You're going to do one or the other. Someone cheats on you, it's flight or fight. It's fight or flight. It's one or the other and maybe both at the same time right on the money. But we lose touch with the hidden power in us because it's a hidden power. It's a gift, gift given to us, the human race. When we're doing caffeine every day, caffeine is the boy who cried wolf. Your brain isn't in fight or flight on caffeine, but your adrenals are. Every day your adrenals are like, what next? Uh, now what? Uh, did something happen? Um, excuse me, excuse me, body, body, excuse me. Uh, did something happen? Where's the fire? And this process numbs the brain up so that when a real problem happens, even if it's not a big problem, one that you still got to be on guard and the fight flight's got to be happening to some degree, there's a potential spot to make a sucky decision. And many do because that adrenaline that's rushing to your brain is something you've experienced every day multiple times a day with espresso shots, coffee drinks, the chocolate, your neurons get numbed up. Poor decisions can be made because of it. You get slow on the draw, just slow on the draw, not quick on the draw. As the years go by, the adrenals get milked until that cow needs to retire. Every day, milking them, milking them, but they're not meant to be milked. And then there's the spiritual aspect Check this out. I'm not ranking on anybody or anything, but I got to point this out, okay? I'm noticing everybody's so spiritual these days, and I love it. It's really great. Getting spiritually connected in any way is needed, but there's a difference between connecting on a spiritual level and being jacked up on caffeine at the same time. I think the takeaway from this is the caffeine will take your spiritual moment away. You may not know it, but it will. Caffeine can hinder you from feeling the kind of inner work, the inner sensation when you're getting spiritually connected somehow, you're doing your yoga, you're doing your meditation, whatever it is, that inner connection that needs to be made when you're making that spiritual connection, when you're seeking that spiritual enlightenment, and then that caffeine monster, that caffeine monster sitting there on the co-pilot thing again. Remember the co-pilot thing? While you're sitting there doing your meditation, while you're sitting there doing your spiritual work, your breath work, while you're jacked up on caffeine? In the last 35 years, I met a lot of gurus doing their thing because they've sought me out for help because they had bizarre symptoms and they had no answers. Gurus all around the world with massive followings, okay? Doing their thing, while they're all lit up on espressos and chocolate and coffee drinks, iced coffee all day long, especially recently more than ever. There's even some influencers that praise themselves for being so deep and so connected. Meanwhile, they're eating caffeine, drinking caffeine six ways from Sunday. Can you get spiritually connected while your adrenals are pumping? Um, maybe not. Maybe yes. Maybe no. Um, I don't know about that. I would say no. You got to try to do it between caffeine. How do you know if you're getting a spiritual high or a caffeine high when fight or flight takes over your brain? Really no way of knowing. Caffeine changes the personality of a person. 
like they've been bitten by a zombie. I've seen people who know people only while they're on caffeine. It's the only way they know them. And they see them one time when they happen to be off the caffeine for a moment. And it's like, who are you? Like, like, who are you? And the person even knows they're different. Then there's someone you know on caffeine. And then you also know them off of caffeine. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Which one is it? You don't know what you're going to get. So who's getting spiritually connected today? Is it Jekyll? Are you getting spiritually connected? Or is it Hyde? Are you getting spiritually connected? Which one is? There was this elderly couple I knew. Husband was on caffeine every day for 40 years. Espresso in the morning, coffee throughout the day, espresso at night, and chocolate occasionally in between. He got a health problem. He was 60 years old. Had to go on some heart meds. Doctor told him to stop the espresso. So he quit all caffeine. His wife said... It was as if she met him for the first time. She didn't even know who he was as he was off the caffeine. Some of the things she reported was he had more patience for her. He was less cranky after he went through withdrawal. He slept better at night. He stopped kicking her in the bed. And she even said he stopped jabbing her in the leg with his toenails while they were in bed at night. And he was less argumentative and confrontational. I'll never forget that one. With other relatives and his own kids. His kids were like, I got a dad I never met. This was like very strange, she said. And he smiled more, was more pleasant to talk to. And he asked a lot of questions instead of being wrapped up in his own head. You know the deal, wrapped up in your own head. It was like a different person without a stimulant. But this isn't the case with everybody. But I've seen this a lot. One of the hardest parts about it all, a small group of people at a get-together, men in the industries at the top, knew what they were doing when they hooked women on caffeine. They knew it was unfair, and they knew it was a cheap shot at them. Because back in the old days, you get women hooked on caffeine, you keep them busy. Addictions take energy and time, and it numbs women up. What caffeine drinkers and consumers don't realize is a big portion of their lives becomes the caffeine monsters because you lose time to this caffeine monster and time is precious. When you spend time on caffeine, it's not going to get you better from a sickness. Instead, over time, it can lead you to a sickness and suck more of your time away. The private industry knows this. They know it's a toxin. They know it lowers the quality of life. It's called death by a thousand cuts. And caffeine is a few of those cuts. Plus, if you add it up with all the time spent getting your coffee, driving and burning gas to get your coffee, your chocolate, all the time spent making your coffee, worrying about your coffee, taking diversions and excursions, to find your coffee, and then many future doctor appointments because of your coffee, you find that in our short life that we live, which is very short here on planet Earth and goes by very fast, that if you add up all this time, you would be gobsmacked to how much time you lost in your life. 
There's a saying, use your time wisely. But that's right. When you're young, you think you have all the time in the world. I get it. And when you're not so sick or not sick at all, yeah, you think you'll live forever. Of course, you can see caffeine as your daily fun, getting together with people, spending time alone with it, with your cup of coffee. That's your daily chore or fun outing, getting your coffee drinks. It's a great thing to do with your girlfriend or boyfriend, husband or wife, friends and family. You wake up in the morning, try a different brew, different blend, foam, no foam, cream, no cream, sugar, no sugar. You covet it. You covet your coffee, your matcha tea, your chocolate. You protect it. But all addictions at one point or another we see as fun and we protect them with everything we have and we stay in denial, especially this one, get us in the end somehow one way or another. And we get tricked because science and research supports this one. Yeah, they think it's good for us and we think it's good for us. They don't know why. They have their theories because every study they do has an asterisk by it that says there's a lot of variables. Study inconclusive and all paid for by the caffeine industry. The antioxidants in coffee so-called helped a rat in a cage not die as fast. Or maybe caused a rat in a cage to see better or something. I don't know. Depends who's on a shift watching the rat. And at that lab, with research in science, was the lab technician drinking coffee themselves? Because they're in denial too. Almost every scientist is on coffee Every lab technician is on coffee. With all the studies they've done with coffee, matcha tea, and chocolate, and caffeine, did they choose lab technicians that were off of all of that and not on caffeine? If a lab technician is drinking their coffee in the morning, looking over the rat cage, they're going to make sure a bad outcome doesn't come out. Ain't nobody taking their coffee away. You can't get any more biased than that a classic bias study. And don't think it didn't happen because it already did many times. Um, hey, I'm trying to see what the behavior in this rat cage is here, uh, but I kind of brain fogged a bit and didn't wake up yet. Uh, Frank, did you pick up coffee yet? Uh, no? Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. What the rat did you do? Did you see the rat? Oh, he's fine. Oh, he's fine. I just gave him a caffeine injection. I better give him another caffeine injection. Oh, wait, he's on his exercise wheel. His eyeballs are popped out. Ooh, ooh, look at him go. Oh, uh, Frank, get the vegan ice cream. Uh, Mike, what are you getting? Oh, you getting the one with chocolate? Uh, me too. Uh, I got an all-day shift. Hey, Frank, uh, Frank, you look tired this morning. You didn't drink your coffee yet? Well, you better get it. Uh, wait, wait, the rat, what's he doing? Oh, he looks fine. Let's do a blood sample. Uh, what does the Caffeine Corporation want us to do? Uh, they want us to see antioxidants are at play here? Uh, how do we identify an antioxidant? I mean, we're just giving the rat a vial of caffeine derived from matcha tea, and he's all jazzed up. Wait, 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 what's he doing? He's asleep. I wonder why. Because they just blew out the rat's adrenals. Why would a lab tech know anything about adrenals? The lab tech wouldn't. It's that ridiculous. Don't be fooled. There's nothing so science, so proven, so anything about it. It's that wrong 
and it's that lame. How do I know? Because I've had good scientists, good lab technicians contact me that are good people telling me that's not too far from how it is. In fact, almost identical in some cases. It's a lot worse than you even just heard. A paid-for study is a paid-for study. And the shareholders, they need an outcome so that they can eventually have it trickle down to finally some third-rate doctor with five years of experience who knows nothing about chronic illness, isn't seasoned in the field, and does their first podcast on health and says how women, including young women, should be drinking matcha tea because it's good for them. Great. A drug pusher. Just what we need. A third-rate drug pusher that goes online and picks off some bogus studies somewhere on their spare time because he's hooked on caffeine daily himself and then shouts it out on his little podcast and knows everyone will like it because it just gave them permission. It's as simple as this. And why is caffeine so hard to let go? Because withdrawal can be brutal, just awful. It could be a spiritual experience. Sometimes the most spiritual enlightenment a spiritual guru is receiving. I know, I've been told that by some serious gurus around the world throughout the years that could not break their caffeine addiction. It was like fighting a demon. It was like fighting the devil, they told me. It owns your soul, but it sure is pretty and sparkling and it shines so bright You know those wholesome coffee blends, fair trade, biodynamic, organic, pretty packages, wholesome packages, sustainability, sustainable. We pick our coffee from the finest farms and roast it lightly first before we give it a quick high-intense shock roast. That's what makes ours different. We source our coffee from pristine farms around the world. You heard it all. And of course, the smell is addictive. Irony is, like I've said, I'm supportive of people needing caffeine to survive. There's night workers. It's the only way to keep them up. People driving long distance, stopping them from falling asleep at the wheel. People who can't function because their fatigue is so bad and this world is so hard. I get it. What about this? We're so obsessed about coffee that without any science or research, no proven studies, a theory was birthed. Since all doctors and practitioners, both alternative and conventional, are on caffeine, okay, that was unfair. 99% of all doctors and practitioners are on caffeine. We decided to stick coffee up our butts. The coffee enema was born. With all the technology we have, that's what we do. Because in the end, no one knows why anybody's sick. And science and research is so far behind, literally, We may as well put coffee up our behinds. And what does it do? It kills your liver, shocks it, weakens your nervous system. It mainlines caffeine right to the heart without due process of it starting in your mouth. When you shoot coffee into your blood vessels of your colon, they didn't go through the stomach security process. Our stomachs are designed to hold back poison, and caffeine is a type of poison. And our stomach has to hold it back as long as it can so it doesn't dump it into the bloodstream all at once because poison shocks the heart. Any kind of poison instantly shocks the heart. 
So the stomach holds on to it as long as it can and then siphons it out in small increments. But when it goes into our colon, there's no osmosis process, no filtering, no discernment. The caffeine heads right into the big blood vessels. That's where the big ones are, in the lower colon, and heads directly to the heart with no filtering. You know when you filter your coffee, your grinds are on the paper there, or in the disposable or reusable filters? That's the first filter. Second filters, your stomach, and you bypass that altogether. Probably one of the worst ideas in alternative medicine. But enemas are great. There's times when we need them. But coffee enema? Coffee's not the way to go. Had enough? Let's talk about withdrawal. That's where the big guns are. Let's get into there now. Caffeine withdrawal is a very real thing. You can get migraines, other symptoms. Why? Because the neurons were saturated with poison, the caffeine, and the fight-or-flight adrenaline, that poison too. When that caffeine and adrenaline leaves your neurons, a shock occurs. It becomes an emotional crash. What goes up must come down. Electrical impulses normally work by our own thoughts, collaborating with neurotransmitters and glial cells in your brain. But that gets taken over by caffeine and the adrenaline that prompts it. Caffeine helped make your decisions all this time. Sure, your thoughts were behind it. They're your own thoughts. But caffeine was doing the work. It wasn't your brain getting sharper and doing the work, so to speak. Although it feels that way, it gets dependent and lazy. Yes, neurons can get lazy. So getting your neurotransmitters, neurons, electrical impulses to work on their own takes a switcheroo. Changing of the guards, firing up the engine and rebooting. Caffeine was thinking for you. And when it's missing and not blocking electrical impulses anymore and running the show, the engine misfires because now it's going back to manual, not automatic caffeine-driven shift high. And it's like you're rebooting up and that can instantly cause a migraine. The other reason you get withdrawal symptoms is because an addictive chemical compound can cause dependency. Dependency in the emotional center of the brain, that area. Science research doesn't know that. It's dependency in the emotional center of the brain, that part of your brain that gets attached to a feel-good substance, but even more than that, emotionally a connection, and it's hard to let that go. It's hard to let caffeine go. Take her away, and it's a shock. We have numerous kinds of neurotransmitters, most of them undiscovered by science and research in the emotional center of the brain. The neurotransmitters connect to our soul and how we feel emotionally and even spiritually. They are the communicators delivering emotional information to our soul. That's why some people can't drink caffeine or eat chocolate. They're getting a caffeine shock to the neurons and neurotransmitters in the emotional center of the brain. And their nervous system is too sensitive. This can happen with someone starting to use caffeine for the first time or getting off of caffeine for the first time. The emotional center of the brain starts to malfunction when caffeine first enters it or then... When withdrawal occurs, when caffeine 
is leaving it. If someone is sensitive, this is way too much. It's a shocker. And lots of symptoms can occur, like the migraines, the shakes, really bad shakes. The nervous system gets sensitive. Caffeine causes the adrenals to flood the body with adrenaline. So every time we're drinking caffeine, that adrenaline's flooding. And adrenaline is an addictive substance on its own merit all by itself, especially when it's fight or flight response. Adrenaline high, that alone is hard to let go. Adrenaline high, that's an addiction. It happens to us all in different ways. Unaware to science or research, adrenaline is filled with trace minerals. And we use these trace minerals up rapidly when we're using our adrenaline and caffeine is purging and pumping all that adrenaline out that's meant for emergencies only, not to just be thrown away daily for no reason. Caffeine burns up these precious reserves, the trace minerals. I know it's hard to get off coffee, espresso, matcha tea, caffeinated tea, energy drinks, chocolate. I understand that you may not have an interest in letting any of it go, but at least you understand the industry and its original purpose and where it has led us today. Caffeine has been around for centuries since ancient times in various forms all around the world. Cacao, tea, and coffee, and sickness and disease in human beings has been around for centuries. But both caffeine and sickness of ancient times was very much different than what they've come to be today. Health conditions of today are not the same as the diseases of yesteryear. And caffeine was not used as a crutch to survive. It was used ceremoniously. And not every culture had access to it, just very few. Now we have a global addiction to it and a global epidemic of chronic illness. Times have changed. And some of us need a little help to get off of caffeine. I want to share some critical medical medium tools to help with getting off of caffeine and help heal withdrawal quicker and allow the brain to restart on its own without caffeine and adrenaline. So let's talk about electrolytes. Restoring your neurotransmitters, feeding them so they have what they need, feeding your neurons, glial cells, brain tissue. All of this counts with withdrawal. So let's talk about one thing that's really powerful right here, coconut water. When you're coming off of caffeine, try to do 60 ounces of coconut water a day for a week because those are electrolytes that you need plus hydration. Now remember, remember, if you've been on caffeine for quite a while, you've been chronically dehydrated for a long time. And coconut water is going to help bring that back. But you might be saying, hey, I had some coconut water before. I've consumed it while on caffeine too. I have it as a beverage, but it just got sucked out of you. When you consumed it, that diuretic, the caffeine, sucked it right back out of you. So what goes in, the good stuff goes in, it gets sucked out, just gone. That's it. You're peeing it out. That's what a diuretic does. That's what a toxin does. So the coconut water is important to do when you're off the caffeine. Now you're going through withdrawal, and then you're restoring those neurons. And then there's celery juice. 
Celery juice is the only complete electrolyte on the planet. What does that mean? That means everything you eat, everything you drink, you're gathering an electrolyte from it because that's what we're doing all the time. We're constantly trying to grab an electrolyte with everything we consume in any way, whether a food or a beverage. But celery juice isn't about gathering electrolytes. It's all there, a complete electrolyte. It's one of the best, most powerful ways to beat withdrawal and to get rid of caffeine and to move it away from you in your life. So thousands of people are doing that. They're trading off their coffee, espresso, matcha tea, their green tea, all the whatever they're drinking, and their, and their chocolate too. They're trading it off and bringing in celery juice, and they're beating it. They're beating it. And one of the reasons why is because those complete electrolytes right there, they go right to the brain, help restore neurotransmitters, help hydrate neurotransmitters, bring back neurons, and safely guide you off of caffeine. It's been a miracle for many. 32 ounces twice a day for a week. You could always do less. 16 ounces? Try that. 16 ounces twice a day for a week? It's a weapon against withdrawal. Another healing tool? Trace minerals. Trace minerals are the glue that allows communication with the different centers of the brain. Left hemisphere, right hemisphere, frontal lobe, emotional center of the brain, or the center that actually is part of the whole control of using your arms and your legs. But either way, all the centers of the brain communicating with each other, especially left hemisphere and right hemisphere communicating with each other. You need the trace minerals. They're in every cell and allow this transmission of thoughts to occur. Caffeine depletes them, depletes them rapidly throughout the years. And as it's depleting them, you're trying to bring them back in. You try to eat healthy one day, or you're eating a food you don't realize that's helping, then you're eating a food that's not helping, but you're trying to restore without realizing it as you're living your life. Here's a tool that's really powerful, spinach soup, one of the medical medium healing tools. It's loaded with trace minerals, including trace mineral salts in a concentrated form. So when you blend all that spinach, because it's a lot of spinach, and you blend it up, you make the spinach soup, the raw spinach soup, it's going to get mainlined to your brain. That's what it's going to do. All those trace minerals in that concentrated form with living water attached to them carries it to the brain with ease, allowing your brain to run free without dependency. You can check out the recipe at medicalmedium.com if you don't have the books. The spinach soup is incredible. It's got leafy greens, the spinach in there, a little bit of cilantro, Fruits like squeeze of orange, some tomato, and it's easy assimilation and really helps to restore someone from burnout and help them through caffeine withdrawal. Celery juice is another trace mineral salt tool. Coconut water, another one. And then there's the medical medium healing broth. That's a really powerful tool too. And it's loaded with trace minerals as well. You notice how we're doing that? going with all the trace minerals because that's what gets depleted over time from caffeine. That's how you also age quickly and age in the brain, in the brain cells as the years go by. Another tool for getting off of caffeine is glucose. That's the secret right there. Feeds depleted storage banks 
that adrenaline burned out were these storage banks in your brain. See, our brain is made out of a lot of sugar, glycogen. It's a storage bank of it. So as we go through our life and we eat sugar, it goes into the brain and restores it. You're thinking like, what kind of sugar? What's he talking about? The bad sugar? Talking about the good stuff. That's what I'm talking about, okay? And sugar is what gives your brain energy. Did you know without glucose, you can't think, you can't walk, you can't talk, you can't do anything. You can't sit on the computer and work. You can't run and exercise. You can't do anything physical. You can't do any of it. Sugar actually runs it all. It's glucose that runs it all. But caffeine takes this away. How does it do it? Well, it's an appetite suppressor. A lot of times people do caffeine. They don't eat enough throughout the day. The choices they're choosing aren't restoring the brain. And then as the years go by, you're 40, 50, 60 years old, 70 years old, the brain atrophies. And next thing you know it, you get an MRI on the brain and the doctor's like, you know, Mr. Um, I have to tell you right here that your brain has is, is lost a lot of mass. It's atrophying. I hear it all the time out there. 50 years of caffeine, 60 years of caffeine, 40 years of caffeine, and you get the brain atrophy. A brain depleted of glycogen, the very thing that holds the brain together, which is hardened glucose. That's what the brain is. It's hardened glucose. And what you need to do is mainline that glucose back in there, especially when you're getting off the caffeine, because you want to bring that back in there so all the neurons get restored, because electrical impulses, they run off of sugar. That's what they do. They ricochet, they drive through all that glycogen, and they thrive in that glycogen, which is a sugar environment. And glucose, without it, we have nothing. We can't talk, walk, think, we're done. We're just flat on the floor, and it's over. We need the glucose. So let's talk about it. Two mangoes a day for a week while you're breaking off that caffeine. Frozen mango, that's an option. Plan your withdrawal by having these ready. Here's another tool, hydration. 32 ounces of lemon water twice a day. Do it for that week. I would even go further, two weeks while you're breaking that caffeine. Get hydrated because remember, diuretic for years, caffeine sucking water out of you and what comes with it, minerals, your nutrients, your lifeblood, your reserves, your, your critically needed adrenaline reserves, all getting sucked right out. So 32 ounces of lemon water twice a day, that's living water. That's what's inside of a lemon. And when it touches a glass of water, it turns it into something different, a powerful tool to flush out years of caffeine that's stored in tissue, organs, the liver, cells, the brain, and it gets it out. And then it leaves a gift behind, hydration. Another tool, melatonin, calms neurons down, electrical impulses so they don't overreact during withdrawal. Because when we go through withdrawal, we have an overreaction inside the brain because everything's trying to rewire. It's trying to find its place again. Electrical impulses are spinning around, touching neurotransmitters, hitting neurons, and everything's trying to find balance. Melatonin, 
really helpful for getting that balance. Take it at night for a week if you'd like. Talk to your doctor about it. See what they say. That's what I would do if I was going through it. Let's talk about another tool, lemon balm or lemon balm tea. Calms and strengthens the central nervous system because I've seen a lot of people go through a little bit of anxiety, maybe even a little depression, little nervousness when they're coming off that withdrawal, when they're coming off that caffeine and going through withdrawal. It can be pretty intense. Lemon balm, that's a nervous system tool because the central nervous system gets dependent on caffeine. And so you need something soothing, a soothing component, as if it was an ointment on your nerves. And that's what lemon balm does. It soothes, calms, and it's like an ointment on the nervous system. This will give your nervous system a better chance to make the transition away from caffeine. So let's hit the magnesium, magnesium glycinate, a really great tool, helps with muscle spasms that occur during withdrawal. And what people don't realize is when they're getting off the caffeine and they're up throughout the night miserable, they're tossing and turning, they feel weird, they're getting woken up by spasms their liver spasming, they're getting spasms in different muscles throughout the body. Magnesium, great way to help break this whole withdrawal issue. So when you remove caffeine and those muscles start releasing deposits of adrenaline and deposits of caffeine, muscles become reliant on both of those, by the way, because they're both addictive substances and muscles then start to freak out. They need to start fending for themselves and they start doing it, and they start to spasm subtly, and sometimes in larger ways, I've seen people go through some serious spasms, you know? But these muscles need to learn to walk on their own, function on their own, because adrenaline was a steroid. It's a mild steroid, but it was overriding our body's normal ability to function in a balanced manner. It was giving the muscles a very mild crutch, but never, nevertheless, a gentle crutch. And the caffeine was causing that steroid to flood the muscles on a daily basis. The magnesium helps with the muscle spasms, which always occur from caffeine withdrawal. You can use the magnesium for a couple of weeks to get through withdrawal. You could talk to your doctor, maybe stay on it long term. It's really helpful through this. And you can stay with all the tools, the celery juice, the coconut water, the spinach soup, the healing broth, you can keep them in your life. It could actually stop you from going back onto caffeine too because a lot of people are using that to stop themselves from getting off the wagon. So look, you can also check out Cleanse to Heal for more support. It has a section on addiction. Taking control over your health is a process of many things. And it's hard when we're told something is good for us when it's really bad. But we would never know it kind of steals our choice away from making a sound decision. The caffeine industry wants everybody hooked on their drug so that the person who has an intuitive sense that they probably shouldn't be using it doesn't stand a chance because everyone around them is consuming it. I just wanted you guys to have a choice or at least know the background. And I support you even if you drink espresso, coffee or matcha tea, energy drinks, chocolate, but in case you're someone that wants to improve your health, protect yourself, and is looking for hidden landmines, because life is precious and no one has a single moment to throw away. 
Knowledge is power. Never forget that. And you never know when you're going to need it. So I always want it here just for you. It seems so harmless to have caffeine after supper. We've always been taught it's a healthy upper. But little did we know that the big boys in the industry above created a goddamn monster. I know these words sound harsh, maybe even extreme. You decide for yourself if you want to stay or leave your caffeine dream. When you know their secret plan, infusing womankind with caffeine, when you find out having a cup of joe is not as friendly as it seems, and you finally learn the deeper truth of the real terrible scheme. It was meant to conceal and hide the medical industry's pathogen crimes of infecting the population with metals and viruses to make sure that sick women file in and spend all their dimes. Too many people were losing it. Their brains weren't working, and with work, they couldn't commit. It was getting worse by the minute as more and more women and even some men got sick. You wake up in the morning with a foggy head, kind of tired, sluggish, unmotivated, sometimes feeling half dead. Too many people were feeling this way, and it only got worse as the years gone by, so they said. And for some people, they felt this way every day, their legs felt like lead. The bugs were released by the medical treatments, caused people to get so sick that even some deceased. Can you believe them? The plan was working better than expected. Keeping people sick was preempted. The medical industry always knew caffeine was a drug. It was the only way pre-meds with brain fog could get through school and keep up with all the hubbub. The plan was to use it in a devious way not for good, but for bad, so it forever stays. They weaponized it, showing us the spiritual war will never quit, the light against dark battle until someday one of them submits. When you open your eyes, you can go to the next phase. If you close your eyes, they unknowingly keep you in a daze. Caffeine has quickened the age of so many. They hook as many people as they can early in life, and in time, shorten the breath plenty. It was popularized all these years to hide the pain and symptoms that women were battling that caused a lot of tears. The caffeine monster takes control over our lives, owning our souls while blinding our eyes, numbing us up, running our minds at the same time, helping us focus, and then it wears off back to the caffeine feeding trough. The more people with symptoms could not function and would start to give up. So in everyone's life, the time comes for a larger cup. And for many people, eventually your taste moves up. You move to that tinier cup. The hit is so strong, you quickly gain steam from the wonderment of the espresso dream. The high can feel so good from the beloved caffeine. Floating on a cloud, your energy peaks, your voice gets loud until it's time to fall asleep. That's when caffeine can become a nightmare. The addiction runs so deep, it's not easy to escape it now as it turns people into fiends. I know it seems so innocent, 
But there was a bigger plan that was supposed to be so consistent. Caffeine was so addictive, no one put up any resistance. Getting off of it is almost impossible. It takes a lot of assistance. As the evildoers put the plan in place to drug everyone they can, along with women and their friends, teaching them caffeine is something good to taste, especially when a gathering ends. The agenda was to control people's minds so they lose track of how they feel, make them caffeine blind. They train us to raise our cup when we're feeling spacey, lower our cup when we're feeling fine. Sometimes it depends on if our heart gets too racy. For some people, depending on the intake, they get anxiety crazy. I understand part of you wants to be on this train. You never want to leave caffeine. You never want to feel the drain. I know it's hard to hear these words. This whole time, caffeine was just a game. A game where you were used by others. They don't care if you even have a name. It's about having control over you and not letting you have a say. To them, you're just another number. They're hoping you consume caffeine until your final slumber. But there comes a time in your life, it's time to get off this addictive train. It's time to move forward on your own, feel the sun on your face, and to know when enough is enough, the industries of darkness are to blame. As a messenger, I leave to you always another way to protect your soul and take control over your life and not let evil rob you of your spiritual health and physical days. You can rise out of the ashes. See, I believe in you and I know you can heal. As you guys know, I'm not a doctor. Any information you learned here, feel free to take to your doctor or healthcare provider. If you found this show helpful and informative, feel free to share it with someone in need of the information. If you like this show, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Medical Medium. And for more information on healing, please visit medicalmedium.com. Thank you so much for listening.